0: You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica, and today we're listening in on a conversation where Getting Smart team member, Shawnee Carruthers, talks with two educators from Phoenix Charter Academy about their primary person model. It's a one-on-one advisory system that puts mental health and wellness at the forefront of student progress, which now more than ever, I think we can all agree is so important. Phoenix Charter Academy is a member of the Strategy Lab cohort, which is part of the Always Ready for Learning Network, a project from the Learning Accelerator. As storytelling partners on the project, we are thrilled to share this vital work that helps districts work together to accelerate the development of a more resilient and equitable education future. Our two guests today are Scarlett M. and Marissa Baliani of Phoenix Charter Academy. Scarlett is a mathematics teacher, and Marissa is an academic support teacher and case manager at Phoenix Charter. These two educators demonstrate care and a willingness to learn and iterate for the benefit of their learners. Towards the end of the episode, we get to listen in to one of these conversations. It's a one-on-one check-in between Scarlett and one of her scholars. Let's listen in as Shawnee learns more about the primary person model's success, challenges, and the future of the practice.
1: Today, we're joined by Scarlett M. and Marissa Baliani. A thank you from Phoenix Charter Academy. How are you all this morning?
2: doing well thank you for having us
1: yeah absolutely um Scarlett, i'll start with you um uh, if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself and your school uh, to give us a better idea of uh, about phoenix charter academy
3: yeah um i am in my fourth year at phoenix um i joined through TFA, um, but decided to stay uh, a few years longer. Uh, I'm currently there, um, category one, which is our ninth grade equivalent math one teacher. And I'm also the lead teacher, which just means I kind of am the liaison between the teaching staff and the admin and kind of helping with instructional coaching with um, one, my other math teacher in the department. Um, and Phoenix itself, um, uh, Basically, is a school that works with um, the term in our mission is disconnected youth, but we're trying to move away from that because a lot of our students have voiced that they are not disconnected. they've just faced a lot of struggle and are taking a non-traditional route in their teaching or their schooling. Um so we work with students who have children who um, had to step out of school because of um, challenges. Uh, for various reasons, and they're back trying to get their diploma.
1: Great. Um, And you're located in Springfield, Massachusetts, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. And Marissa, I know you're also, you're with Phoenix Charter as well, but you're located in Chelsea. If you can tell us about yourself and your role.
2: Yes, of course. Um, I am at the Chelsea cam- uh, campus. It's right outside of Boston, and I joined through Teacher America also. I'm um, in my second year. I'm a special educator. Um, the term we use for special education is academic support, um, so I'm an academic support teacher. Um, I manage my caseload of students, but I also teach a class called study skills, where I teach executive functioning and organizational strategies, um, and I also provide push and support to students in mathematics.
1: Okay, great. And I know that um, Scarlett was talking about how the youth said they don't feel disconnected, but you all do have a very kind of different model where you're serving students ages 14 to 22, where maybe the traditional school doesn't necessarily work for them, and you support them through your relentless supports and your relentless academics. And one of the ways that you support them is through the primary person. So either Scarlett or Marissa, Scarlett, we'll start with you. Um, If you can tell us about the primary person um, and how that all got started.
3: Yeah, I think at a Phoenix network level, we have another school in Lawrence, Massachusetts, um, and they started doing this primary person model um, before the pandemic started. Uh, The idea just being that one adult um, teacher or staff is in charge of like just being a counselor slash or like um, advisor for a group of students. Um, For Springfield, uh, we started this model. when the, when schools closed down, because we realized there was a need for um, like a way to keep track and kind of hold accountable, but also be like an emotional support for students. But as a content teacher, we have about like 50, 60 students on the roster. So that's impossible to do. So we kind of, you know, scaled back and uh, each staff member was in charge of um, being connected with like 10 or so students. And so that's where it started. We started in in March of 2020. Wow, that's (laughs) almost a year ago now, wow. Yeah, and so um, that's how it began. Um, Was there another question, Shawnee, about?
1: Well, no, I'll throw it over to Marissa just to, we know how it began and it began in March, kind of as a result of everything going on. And Marissa, what have you seen as a result of that of the primary person model? How has that created a shift for students?
2: Um, I mean, so it obviously started as kind of a pivot. Uh, We were thrown into remote learning due to COVID. um, So we needed to pivot and make some changes at Phoenix. Um, So like Scarlett said, every student was matched up with a staff member or a teacher, um, and they engaged in uh, weekly academic progress conversations. So this was good both to keep students accountable um, with their schooling but also for social emotional um, wellness. Um, Some findings that we've had are that students who meet with their academic advisor on a consistent basis are actually more likely to make academic progress Um, Obviously our progression data is affected by COVID-19. It's not exactly where we want it to be because there are a lot of barriers for students right now. But more touch points with teachers and staff members have translated into more academic progress for students. So I definitely see this as being um, a switch that could stay um, and be sustainable at our school um, even beyond COVID.
1: Okay, great. I mean, anytime you can have a strong advisory system in, in place, like the primary person that goes beyond the, how are your grades to really, how are you doing and really checking in is going to be, you know, hopefully more ses- successful. So Scarlett, um, Marissa said that there are a lot of tenants of this program that you, um, you all can take beyond COVID. What other key findings are you seeing from these reoccurring meetings with students?
3: Um, I agree a lot with what you said about how um, the students who are actively engaging, not only in classes, but with their PPM uh, is, or their primary people are like progressing more than those who are like disengaged. I also found that it's like a different feel than when it was in the classroom. I found that, you know, being able to just talk with students like 30 minutes a week or more, um about like not only how they're doing in school, but like helping them with scheduling, helping them with like dealing with, oh, if you're, if, you know, if in the morning, like you have to help your mom with chores, like, okay, let's find time in the evening to like just carve out space, to do schoolwork. That um, has been really fruitful. Also getting to know my students better um, it kind of also like texting them every day is like really weird, but not also like not totally normal. I remember like before the pandemic, like you know if they didn't come into school, like I would have no idea why until they came back or if I got in touch with their adult supporter but like now I'm just like where are you like you're supposed to be at this meeting like show up like I met you like expand them with like zoom links and things like that and they're like okay miss <laughs> uh so yeah I, I think that's really cool I think definitely the consistency is so important I also found that like in the beginning like in the spring we kind of just was like we'll call you like around here this time but then they'd like be busy and we've had to transition like we've been like revising this model like for months and now we have like at four o'clock i gonna call you be ready uh we have like a routine going on and so that's something too I realized like it's something that provides structure for students because there's like so
1: such a lack of structure uh, now that they're home yeah yeah no that's Super great. Marissa, are you having the same experience? I know I think like 80% of the students are really engaging in these conversations, which is great. Are you having the same um, experience uh, in Chelsea?
2: We are having the same experience. Um, I think my experience personally is a little bit different. Uh, most of the students on my PPM caseload are students who receive special education services. So I have been in contact with them. Like I've I've texted them throughout my entire um, stay at Phoenix. So, I mean, getting like uh, all of the communication back and forth is not something that's new for me, but having those that dedicated time to have those meetings and really get to know each student has been um, really beneficial um, through this PPM system.
1: So, when you're thinking about these one-on-one conversations and you're thinking about, you know, this is definitely something that we can take post-COVID, how are you collecting like the the information to use for the future and to build on um, for you to use in like different reflective practices? And either one of you all can, can respond, Marissa. <laughs>
2: um, so we collect data in a few ways. One of them is we have a daily outreach tracker. So every teacher and staff member logs their communication with students. We also have something called an ILP which is an individualized learning plan for students. Um, So every week when you meet with your PPM, students. You create goals with them and you log on the tracker, whether they met their goals on a daily basis. So we have that data Um, that's collected and presented at staff meetings, which is really interesting to see what kind of strategies are working. Um, We also talk about um, the strategies that we use with students in coaching. So every teacher at Phoenix has an instructional coach. Um, So we can kind of brainstorm like what's working with certain students and what's not. Um, and just, I also archive my ILPs, so I keep uh, the goals that I've created with students just to look back and reflect on what's worked and what new things I can try.
1: Okay, awesome. And you talked about the staff meetings. Um, Scarlett, I know that you all do a lot of professional development around the, the PPM or the, the primary person how has the the professional development, how have you all used that to support the primary person work um, within your school?
3: Yeah, I think in the beginning, you know, Marisa mentioned like the IOP, the Individualized Learning Plan document, the tracker, uh, and not? I think a lot of our professional development was around how to use these tools and also how to like fine tune them. Like I remember... In the spring, last spring, uh, it was just a Google Doc, and we had to fill in the information of, like, all the students' teachers and their links, uh, Zoom links, and uh, we had to figure out what classes they were in, because our students in our PPM aren't just um, in our content. It's, like, across the whole school. Like, we kind of decided who was in our, who were be our primary people based on, like, our relationships that we had, and so all of that. So there is a lot of professional development on like how to use these tools. What counts as like, you know, as a as a student meeting an academic goal and what happens when we don't get in touch with them after three tries, like what's the system then? Like, who do we reach out to? How do we like rally support in that way? There is also like professional development, like a lot of uh, like, uh, I guess you call them simulations where we would like practice making phone calls with our staff. Uh, you know because yeah I appreciated that kind of support because some people naturally are able to talk over the phone and kind of not only touch all these different points that we do need to with our students but I definitely needed help I remember I I had like full like anxiety calling people before the pandemic and now it's like it's like normal but uh, so yeah there's a lot of pb around that and uh, I think that's really cool, actually, versus and Chelsea, that they share the data weekly in staff meetings, because I don't think we really do that. We kind of have um, data in our memos where it's like, oh, like we reached this amount of students or they like submitted this amount of work, uh, but we really don't have that much time to like collaborate over best strategies. It happens um, fr- fr- not very frequently. Um, however, we are starting to like instill that into our, our week where we meet once a week to kind of share best practices because it's definitely a struggle. Like there are certain weeks where they respond and then, you know, plenty of weeks where um, teachers and staff have been ghosted for their, I don't know, whatever's happening on the other side, but yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that's sharing the data and supporting each other is definitely key. Marissa, when you think about the data sharing and the support um, how do you all, or I guess, what do you find most helpful? And and what I mean is, when you all are sharing the data, how do you use that to shift your teaching practice or your level of support for each other?
2: Um, I feel like as a teacher, I'm constantly evaluating, like what strategies are working and what are not, collecting data and using that data to inform how I how I work in my instructional practice. Um, in terms of the data that they share with st- uh, at staff meetings, it's mostly attendance data. So in COVID, I mean, that's looked a lot different because students aren't coming in and out of the building. Now it's measured in touch points and meeting ILP goals through the PPM model. Mm-hmm. Um, so if our attendance data is low, um, you know, as a teacher that you're not doing something that's working or, and you need to pivot or you need to find out what barriers are stopping your students from succeeding. Um, So I think just like having that knowledge and being able to reflect on that as a teacher is really useful. Um, We also have someone that's in charge of this whole PPM system at our school and being able to go to office hours and discuss with her about best strategies has been really useful because you can take a very individualized approach with each student.
1: Okay, perfect. Um, Scarlett is this one-to-one approach scalable is this primary person model scalable or is this just something that works really well at Chelsea or in Springfield or is this something that other people can use if so how
3: Mm, I think a really good question and something I was looking forward to answer slash here from Marissa as well Um, I think my first reaction is like no, it's not scalable. It's just it's a lot. i think um, I think it works because uh, for Phoenix our even our uh, academic model, our like pedagogical model is very much you know students working at their own pace. They have you know these uh, what we call learning bundle maps where they can go through resources and and tutorials and and um, assignments at their own pace and at any point of the day. And so that gives you know schedule flexibility for students and staff to like be able to have these conversations. Um, it's very different from like I have a housemate whose school just meets from eight to three, and it's mm-hmm. just back to back. You know, classes very mirroring what would it be like in the building. Uh, that being said, I do think if there were you know enough staff, uh, enough. Like systems in place, it could be scaled to a school that has like a larger student body. Right now, um, our pop like our school size is on a fairly smaller side as well because, uh, um it's a charter and we just work not we have I think like two hundred students max at Springfield, and so we have enough to divvy up amongst our staff. But I can't imagine what it'd be like at a public school level, uh. So these are some of the problems that I see that can come up. But I do think that having this model is something I'd want to continue to revise and have. Like I wouldn't want to get rid of it because I do think that um, it allowed students who oftentimes when they were in my class, they kind of got neglected during the actual class, like students with IEPs. Um, I have one student who has, um, like, trouble processing information and needs a lot of time, and, like, I just see him thrive in this environment, and also he um, he needs that kind of emotional support every day because he has uh, low self-esteem, but just constantly building him up to be, like, you know, he got this, like, he did did this part of the assignment. Um, All of that, I think, goes to show that there is something worth investing
2: in making this model better.
1: Yeah. What are your thoughts, Marissa?
2: I was thinking the exact same thing as Scarlett, actually. Um, I think there would need to be systems in place at a larger school. So for example, at Phoenix, we have schedules for each teacher. So I was given a schedule and built into that um, is two hours per day to do this PPM work, which gives me a lot of flexibility. Like there's, we work eight to five and two hours of that day is dedicated to PPM work. So I'm never stressed about getting my other stuff done. But I know that at other schools, like Scarlett said, there might not be time or the systems Um, there actually might not even be enough teachers or staff members to accommodate this system. So I definitely think this could be scalable and it would be a good idea to implement at other schools. But of course, the systems would have to be in place.
1: Mm -hmm. So just kind of a wrap up question. If if we were talking to students right now and we were asking them their perception of the, the PPM, the primary person model, what do you think they would say they like most about it and least about it? And Scarlett, will start with
3: you? Um, what they like the most about it, and I go to speak for my PPM. I think they do enjoy, uh, the daily check-ins, and uh, they voice multiple times just having someone, uh, keep track of the work they do, um, and to be a source of encouragement has really helped them get past some of the other struggles they've been facing. Uh, the in terms of what they like least, I think on a funny note, I think just like the amount of calls and messages that they get from teachers, uh, <laughs> I think that they'd probably find that um, a little annoying sometimes. Uh, I mean, you know, it's all with good intentions. Uh, but I think the the maybe the least part is I think because it's virtual. Uh, a lot of my students had voice that, oh, this would be great if we were back in person. Like, it'd be great if we could just see each other. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Yeah.
1: So Marissa.
2: I think that uh, students would least like the amounts of phone calls that they're getting. Like we pretty much blow up their phones on a daily basis. But I actually think they like having someone to hold them accountable and knowing somebody cares about them. Like each student has a staff member that they trust and can turn to if they need help logging onto Google Classroom or um, getting set up with their classes. So I think they low-key like that part, but um, uh, in terms of something else that they probably don't like about this, I'm trying to think. Probably being held accountable to meet daily goals, but again, like Scarlett said, it's done with the best intentions, and it, it, it does help them in the long run.
3: So, um, Just to kind of show what it actually looks like when we're having these um, PPM conversations with our students, I had a chance to record, you know, with their permission, um, a conversation with one of my students who has been a regular attender and we've just been developing our relationship throughout the months. He actually uh, transferred just a month before the school closed. So I had a um, very short in-person encounter with him, but like over this time, I've really seen him grow in math. And so this is our conversation.
0: Hi, Timothy.
4: Hi.
3: How was the rest of your afternoon?
4: Good, good, good.
3: Yeah, I'm glad. Um, is Mary still sleeping? Yep. Wow, that's amazing. Hopefully he's okay. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the world, the record.
3: I know. I mean, um, I know. Well, I mean, hopefully he's okay because sometimes people sleep when they don't want to deal with reality. And I know. It's, your family's going through some stuff right now. So, Um, but yeah, hope he's okay. You let him know that I'm worried about him and tell him to text me that he's alive at some point.
4: Okay. No problem. Uh, But
3: yeah. Uh, Well, we're going to go over your weekly schedule and you know, the drill, we kind of think about what happened last week and then uh, thinking about some goals that you have for the upcoming week. Uh, But before I begin, I was wondering, on a scale to 1 to 5, 1 being like, I'm not ready, and 5 being like, I'm super ready, how ready do you feel uh, for school this week?
4: I'd say mm, a 3.
3: A 3? Okay. In the middle
4: so, in the middle.
3: Okay. Do you want to- um, Somewhat
4: today? good, Bye. somewhat bad. <laughs>
3: Compared to other weeks, do you feel like you, you'd have, you have more energy, less energy?
4: I say I have more energy.
3: Okay, that's good.
4: I'm always excited.
3: <laughs> and I appreciate that so much. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen now and we're going to go over your um, schedule. My next question is, what do you need for you to be a four or a five?
4: For the school?
3: For this week, yeah. So you told me you were at a three. What do you need to feel like you're at a four?
4: To be honest, hmm, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've been home so much. It's been like cranky and stuff. Maybe a little cranky. Because you know how when you're stuck indoors, you get cranky. Yeah. I think I'm just like in a cranky mood. That's why I'm a three. Maybe, hopefully, tomorrow I'm a five.
3: Okay. Do you feel like. Yeah, I think it's going to be
4: a five tomorrow.
3: Yeah. Do you think going outside for a quick walk or even just like around your neighborhood might help clear your mind?
4: Yeah, somewhat. (laughs) Open neighborhood's peaceful.
3: Yeah, it is. Yeah, so maybe you should go on for a walk. It, no, it's freezing. It's freezing right now. But you know, if you bundle up and take a quick walk—not today because it's getting dark—but tomorrow morning, it might help you start your day off strong. Hmm. Well, that's real. Being cranky because we've been stuck inside all day—that's a real mood. Um, but so we'll see ways where you can maybe like relieve your stress this week because obviously, when you're not feeling your best, it's harder to do schoolwork, right? Uh, but so let's take a look at last week. Last week was a four-day week because we had Monday off. Our goal was to finish all of Unit Two. Um, what are some good things that happened last week, and what are some things that were challenging, if you can recall?
4: Last week, I, if I remember, we were working on the learning bundle. Mm-hmm. Um, about a new um new um math problem. It's called exponential function
3: mm-hmm.
4: but this time it has the um x value yeah and we was working on my learning button
3: yeah and was there something that really helped you get through that
4: yes that was the teacher <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes i'm glad our small group sessions are helpful what was something that was challenging you mentioned this concept was new what was like the most challenging thing? Like did the videos help at all? Were the notes confusing? You took really good notes, but like was there something that like um, was hard for you to do?
4: The thing that was hard for me is to remember the um X value. What do you mean that um, some of the words and getting mixed up with the um the linear um function problem mm-hmm. instead of the exponent function?
3: Right, right. It's so like the new vocabulary as well.
4: Yeah. That's so that's kind of that's kind of like messing me up.
3: Okay. And I would say that you've gotten a lot better since um, you first figured out the vocabulary. So uh, you should be proud of yourself for that. But that's a really good point that you made. That there's a lot of new vocabulary. It kind of gets confusing because I I keep the this unit is asking you to switch between the two. So you need to be able to like on the spot remember that like oh this is linear so this has to do with this or like this is exponential so you have like two things that you have to remember so it, it will be a bit challenging all right so that is good for me to know because then what i can do in our small group sessions is actually review vocabulary before we do anything that way you just get used to the words a lot um, more easily right so i'll keep that in mind um, But yeah, today we had our live session and then we are currently having our 5 p.m. ILP call. So let's see what um, things will do differently this week. Uh, For times, I'm still going to keep you at 5 o'clock. Does that still work for you?
4: Yeah, that really works. and I'm always on time.
3: Yes, you are. I love it. Um, so that works. So that's going to be today. Uh, we'll go briefly over one concept because um, I want to go over step 12 with you. But before that, let's finish up our schedule. So uh, and I'm going to make a note here. So I remember review vocab. Okay. Um, so that is something we can do. So basically what I want you to do today is I want you to... Uh, try the mini QPA. I'll call it first attempt.
4: The you learning, the learning bundle, or the, learning bundle, the mini actual QPA.
3: mini QPA two. Okay, kind of I cool.
4: think I got this. I think I got this.
3: Yeah, it's just the first attempt. We can do multiple things. So tomorrow during small group, we'll go over sort of the concepts we need to revisit. Uh, and then we can revise that. Revise menu QPA two. That way you can begin your unit two capstone learning bundle, right? Can I type? I can type, I can type. Bundle, (laughs) okay. And then we're gonna work on, we're gonna keep working on the Unit 2 Capstone Learning Bundle. And on Friday, we're going to turn this in. And then you're going to be done with Unit 2.
4: And then I'm going to be working on Unit 3.
3: Yes. And then actually, Timothy, after Unit 3, because you passed Unit 4, all you have to do is Unit 5 after that. And then you're done with Math 1. And then you can do another class. You don't have to worry about math for a bit anymore. So that should be no, no. Are you gonna miss math?
4: Yep, I'm gonna miss it. My favorite teacher.
3: Well, I'm gonna still be your PPM, so I can still help you with your week schedule and things like that. So that will not change. Um, but you can now improve in your writing, or you can learn social justice and history. So we'll aim to get there. Because I rather I want you to move ahead and graduate. Uh, this Friday, we do have community meetings, so keep that in mind. That'll be one more thing this week than we didn't have last week.
4: Um, yeah, this I, I totally was wondering uh, why there's no more community meetings.
3: <laughs> it's just every other week, uh, just so it, it's not too like much. Uh, and uh, did you get your Domino's gift card?
4: Yes, I did.
3: Did you order anything yet?
4: Hmm... If I can remember it. Yeah, I don't remember the name. It's those little swirl things. What is that? I, I don't know.
3: Is it the dessert ones? Yeah. I know I I think Not, it. Are,
4: look, I, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I I I always forget the name.
3: I forget too, but those are really good. So you got that?
4: Mm-hmm. And then I got a pie.
3: Ooh. I'm so glad yes well deserved you have you've been working so hard all okay I think that's about it um that should take about an hour two hours Mm, that's definitely not 120 minutes that'll be 60 minutes okay all any questions about your schedule this week
4: Hmm. am i gonna have like any plans well not plans are you gonna be like out or anything like any certain days so no, I, can I will voted?
3: be here every day
4: okay yeah. i guess now then
3: all righties um make sure it- to take a walk tomorrow or do something nice for yourself so you can kind of relieve some stress. Uh, But outside of that, that's, I will screenshot this and send this to you, Timothy. And uh, oh, and then we'll go over that quick concept together. But other than that, uh, that's it for our weekly schedule planning. Uh,
1: Well, thank you both for sharing the information about the primary person model. We really enjoy getting to know why this works for Phoenix Charter Academy and we look forward to sharing this information with others.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Scarlett and Marissa for joining us on this week's episode and to Scarlett Scholar for giving us permission to listen in on their great conversation. For more information about mental health, wellness, and the benefit of checking in, check out episode 217, How Educators Can Positively Impact a Child's Cognitive Development with Dr. Pamela Cantor. We'll be sure to put a link in the show notes. And for more information about the Strategy Lab or the Always Ready for Learning Network, check out the link in the show notes as well. All right, that's it for today, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica signing off.